yeah, there's Monster Hunter, which I constantly forget is a real thing. And, well, not the games. I mean... No, the, yeah, yeah. the film. Yeah, the, the games are, like, they're in the same basket as Dark Souls for me, where it's, like, I do want to play them, but, like, they're not at the top of my list. Yeah. They're, like, a, a I'll get to you later basket yeah. <laughs> is what I use them for, but, um... Isn't the film Paul W.S. Anderson? Yeah, the guy who did all the Resident <laughs> Evil movies. He's married to Mila Jovovich, Mila Jovovich yeah. who's starring in the film. Yeah, which, you know, I do like her as a person. Oh, as, she seems cool. As an actress, I it's weird, though, because it's like I did know her initially from those Resident Evil films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, I saw, like, Days to Confuse, which is one of my favorite films of all time. She doesn't have much to speak in that role, but she kills it with the amount of screen time she's given in that film. Yeah. Is like this drugged out hippie chick that is just super chill and uh, and then she's also in Chaplin. She's in a uh, RDJ's Chaplin, which is she's good in that. Oh so yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I didn't even realize she was in that. Yeah, she's his first wife. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, Monster Hunter. It, it is what it is. It's one of those. <laughs> it's clearly. I mean, it's given me vibes of like pretty much every video game or anime film adaptation ever where it's like the producers or the writers or whoever were like we want to capitalize on this property but uh we can't go all in with it because it's gonna weird people out so we gotta make it we gotta make it uh more accessible more digestible so they take like the basic premise or the mascot of the property or whatever and like transplant it into like modern day usa our world is it really that or I, I, or they or they take modern day you americans and put them in this weird situation like mm-hmm. and monster hunter is both there it's like u.s soldiers or something mm-hmm. who accidentally come across this portal fall into it go to the monster hunter world and then the monsters escape through the portal back to earth so then okay. the soldiers have to get back to earth to fight <laughs> the monsters on earth and it's just like why don't we just do like a full sci-fi fantasy movie in the Monster Hunter world? I, I, I know it's weird to say because I know it's not something that's discussed a lot because it really isn't much of a thing over here as it is in like Asian countries, yeah. particularly Jap- Japan when I think of it. But Monster Hunter seems like the type of property where if you're going to make a feature film, why don't you do like the uh, the Final Fantasy, like the, the theatrical film or like Advent Children where it's oh, yeah. like a super high quality CG that's just yeah. like all the characters have like that facial like the dragon quest film that came out like a year or two ago where it's like it looks like the games but it's like super high quality kind of yeah. like because like yeah you can do a monster in a film with live action but it's just going to be extremely expensive and it's also going to probably take a while because the whole point of that game is to build gear prep research the animals and just yeah. constantly grind in and this it seems like they just get attacked by ant like ambushed by animals and they're just constantly kind of running from them i did see the teaser and the teaser did give me vibes of like in the first transformers when those soldiers are stuck in the sand yeah it's a similar thing to that except that was like that's done better yeah Yeah, yeah, absolutely um but yeah i guess i i I, I, is it still coming out in theaters this year or is it is it saying next year year, but i i think it's still supposed to be a theatrical because that is well, you know, at least we've gotten some good <laughs> video game movies. Well, hardly. Uh, yeah, I oh, mean, December again. December 30th, so it is still it's aiming for this It's coming out new, the day before New Year's Eve? Yeah. All right. Okay. 
And on that note, let's stop talking about Monster Hunter to get to the real story of today. Hello, I'm Logan Sowash. I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And in Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we take a trio of films and we follow each film and we talk about the good and the bad and the weird surrounding each entry. And today, we are going to talk about the second entry in Dario Argento's Three Mothers trilogy. Because last week, we did Suspiria. We both love elements of it. We both really like it. I I think it's a cult classic, mm-hmm. if not, at this point, probably definitely a classic for most horror fans. Yeah. And pretty much from this point forward, we were both in uh, unknown territory because <laughs> we had really not seen either films. I, I mean, for me personally, I had known about Inferno and Mother of Tears because for most people, if you run into somebody who has seen Suspiria, they bring up, oh, did you know there's there's three, there's two more. Yeah, it's like, like it's a trilogy. fun fact about Suspiria. Yeah, and it's like, wait, that film has a sequel. Yeah. It's like, what are you talking about? Well, yes and no. <laughs> 1980s Inferno is extremely odd because for a sequel that, off, like, right out the gate just says, like, this is this is the sequel to Suspiria. Yeah. Like, here's the lore. Like, that's so weird <laughs> to have, like, a film just come out the gate and be like, in case you weren't in the seats because you liked Suspiria, here is all the lore you needed to tie those two films together. <laughs> yeah, well, for, for a film like Suspiria that's so vague and yeah. kind of how it references its inspiration, you yeah. know, which is the, the Thomas de Quincey... What is it? Suspiria de Profundis? Or yes. Whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, series of poems, basically. Um, you know, if you know of those poems and you watch Suspiria, you can be like, oh, yeah, I clearly see the influence. But, like, you can watch Suspiria and have no idea, and it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it's yeah. its own experience, and there's not a lot of references to the mm-hmm. lore or the backstory. No, yeah. And then, complete 180. Absolutely. With Inferno. Yeah. Because, like you said, the opening minutes, it's literally just spelling out... These are the three mothers. They mm-hmm. do this. You're re- she's they... reading a book that is just called The Three Mothers. Yeah. Like, that's the equivalent of, like, <laughs> like in the MCU, if someone just opened a book called The MCU. Yeah. And, like, they read about, these are the films that led to the Avengers. Yeah. Like, uh, and it's very funny because it's definitely looking into the re- like into the history of how this film became came to be because... This was the sec. This was the next film after Suspiria. It was his next movie. Yeah, Argento's next. Yeah. Movie, yeah, basically the idea was Suspiria was based on that poem, but they didn't have the idea of continuing it at that right. time. Right. It was just this is yeah. going to be my homage to this piece that yeah. I read. And it well, it was Daria like loved it. Yeah. Sent it to Dario and was like, "Oh, that's a cool idea. Which is control the world. That's weird. We <laughs> yeah. can do that." Yeah. And then you have a film that is arguably, probably of all his films, especially in the 70s, his biggest release internationally. Like, I think yeah. he gets the most praise. He gets it gets a lot of money worldwide. I mean, Box makes its, creates its own branch just to distribute the film. Oh, the international yeah. releases. releases? Yeah. So, like, after that film comes out and does so well for him, like, the next thing that Dario and Dario do is basically go, like, well, in the poem, there are three mothers. Right. We could do another film about right. another mother. And it's like Fox is like, here's $3 million. <laughs> Go do that. And then, like, Claudio, which I believe is Dario's brother, was mm-hmm. like, he got more money he from. Yeah, yeah. He got more money from, like, uh, Germany and I think Italy as well, from other, like, benefactors. And they made Inferno, which 
isn't good. <laughs> like it's I guess the big thing is like Andy and I are both in the minority it seems. Yeah, like, or at least it sounds like like big fans of Suspiria end up liking Inferno. You know, it's, like, it, like well, that's the thing too is like that's weird because that wasn't the case initially, right? The, like the critical response, what like if you look at the critical response now, it's vastly different. Like it's mainly positive. Yeah, but back when it first came out, people disliked this film if not hated it because it just wasn't anything like Suspiria. Yo, people Which, in 1980, we get you. Yeah, we get that. We honestly like it is, and it's, and what's crazy too is it's more than just it's not like Suspiria. Like yeah. it's so weird that this film is considered one, two, three, like his seventh film. Yeah, like this is his seventh film. The man has already made what is considered classics in the subgenre, if not the horror genre in general. And then he makes Inferno, which feels like. A weird mishmash of the best of Argento, yeah. and it doesn't mesh well. Like it's very weird. Well, like yeah, it's clearly he's trying to marry the world of yeah. Suspiria with his background in Giallo. Yeah, it's like oh, you absolutely. Take the, kind of the weird, wacky, scary nightmare of Suspiria and blend it in with mm-hmm. the sort of you know murder mystery type yeah. progression of like deep red or his mm-hmm. earlier movies because i can also see back then people not liking inferno for the sole reason of those reviewers have probably only seen suspiria yeah like they don't understand that inferno actually has a lot of giallo tropes that are just ingrained in a lot of argento's work mm-hmm. and will be for the 80s as well and so it's like yeah of course people are not going to like inferno initially because it's like him doing or at least attempting the best of both worlds yeah because you have incredible production design that basically makes this tenant building, which in this film, in Suspiria, a dance academy is like the head of uh, Mater Suspiriorum, the witch of the mother of size. And mm-hmm. then in Inferno, it is established that there are two other houses. Yeah. There is a house in Rome, and then there is a base in uh, New York. Mm-hmm. And the base in New York, which is what Inferno takes place in, talks about... Uh, Mater Tenebrarum, which is the mother of darkness. Mm-hmm. And this tenant building is just like, is gorgeous. Like it's, it's, it's unsettling to look at. Yeah. And it definitely, and I, and I do understand a lot of people who enjoyed this film, even though it was kind of a detriment to me initially that like the film makes the tenant building like a labyrinth. Like it's this, it's this building that looks, that is like giant on the inside compared to what it is on the outside. Like, yeah, there are so many different like floors, so many different like secret entrances. The yeah. the wall, the ceilings are so high. The ceilings are super there's no high. why there's no way like you see an exterior of the tenant building. It's like there's no way the ceilings are that high if the right. windows are that close well, on the exterior. There's, there's like... almost no sense of geography in the building. Absolutely not. And it's, Which... it's hard to determine how much of that is deliberate because like yeah. Suspiria had an element of that. Where Absolutely, you're, you know, you're not going to be able to lay out you know yeah inch for inch the building but like you had a general sense you know like where the 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 bunk hallway was upstairs and yeah. like the the what was it the red room or wherever they danced the, yeah. the like dance yeah, room, yeah, yeah, yeah. practice room and in this it's just like your characters are just constantly going around corners all the hallways look mm-hmm. the same they're all the same like red yeah. and black wallpaper and it's just like i there's not even an, an attempt to no, kind yeah. of describe where you're at mm-hmm. in the building. And, and you're it, just like, whoa. And it really is only, not even an issue, but it's only something you kind of really notice 
if your mind just wanders there while you're watching it, or if you've seen the film multiple times yeah. and you realize, like, are is every floor look like this? Is this supposed to be multiple floors, or is this supposed to be one floor? Yeah. And then we're just not seeing any of the other floors type scenario. The difference, though, is with the Inferno. The Inferno can't really get away with it, per se, because it's doing something that Suspiria isn't, which is trying to tie itself down to some logic in its yeah. lore. It's trying to create a clear kind of narrative path because it's more of like a mystery and yeah yeah you're you're working through the beats of these characters finding stuff out once you add lore that takes it away from just the tenant building or like the dance academy and you make it like lore that has like a worldwide consequence it really changes when you do dreamlike stuff because it's like well, okay, I I guess I can understand the tenant being like very like dreamlike and whatnot, but like when they're walking around outside, it just kind of like doesn't work as well. Yeah. It's like Suspiria works so well because in Suspiria, the majority of the film, Susie is in the building, like she barely leaves the dance academy, mm-hmm. and the only sense of normalcy that she gets in the film is the one time she's like in a public place with like a psychiatrist. <laughs> And she's talking about witches with this guy. And it's like the most normal part in the film, but it almost feels like a brevity between nightmares. Well, as in this, everything is super stylized and super colored, like colorized in a weird way. And like, it's like, is this what the world is supposed to look like? It's in like in, in Argento's mind. And again, it's, 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 it's weird because at the same time, that's why a lot of people enjoy this film. Because a lot of people have this idea of like, if you're looking for a, a logical plot synopsis, you're not going to get it from this film because mm. the film just jumps all over the place. Sure, but at the same time, if you're trying to get people back in from Suspiria, there are some things that you can't really give up to like, oh, it's a dreamlike thing. Yeah, the, you're, you're yeah. adding more and more structure onto yeah. this thing, so you can't just ignore that structure and yeah. try and do the, the abstract, vague nightmare thing again without, you know, laying out a framework for this kind of lore and this structure that you're creating. Which seems to be completely taken out with Mother of Tears. Like, we watched the yeah. trailer after Inferno for Mother of Tears, and we were like... This just looks like a movie. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't like look, its own thing. Doesn't look just... like Argento at all, really. I mean, there's some weird shit in it, but it's yeah. not like it very much looks like, like a 2007 spooky. absolutely violent murder movie. Yeah, it looks like exactly what would be on the Dimension Extreme <laughs> label, which it is. Yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be again. It just like I think there's just one thing that like I can't let go of where it's like I can get that uh, I can get that mindset of like wa- watching an Argento film. To a degree, like, even in something like Deep Red, like, it obviously, Deep Red is grounded in reality because you have, like, it's just a dude trying to solve a murder, but the most dreamlike parts usually happen when he's by himself. Yeah. Which is really cool and it makes sense and whatnot, but those work in that film because it's, it has a compelling, like, protagonist, it's not too overbearing, and it's not really clashing with the narrative, which as with (laughs) Inferno... It absolutely is clashing with the narrative. And at the same time, our protagonist in Inferno is awful. He is just a complete wet cardboard. (laughs) Just like, it's so weird that like in Suspiria, it seems like Argento finally found something that works where it's like the best Argento protagonist, at least in Suspiria. And I I mean, in Deep Red, it kind of is a different type too, but works as well. In Suspiria, like the best 
protagonist in an Argento film is probably a woman in her 20s who's still trying to find herself yeah. dealing with these nightmarish things yeah. in a world that doesn't treat her like she is sane. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's, like that's why Susie is so relatable because it's like even though for the majority of the film she is drugged by the Dance Academy and she is barely – she's far from – she's basically lucid for the majority of the first half. Right. You feel sorry for her and you're scared for her because she didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. She didn't ask for this. She she is just here to learn how to dance and become better at her craft. And now she's like yeah, a well, part of witch shit. Which is like <laughs> Well and there's this sense of like like gaslighting too. Absolutely. You know, you, she's getting drugged and people keep assuring her things are normal, yeah. things are okay, but she keeps seeing and hearing really weird things. I I feel like an element of that is lost in Inferno because the characters aren't like Mark, the main character, and his sister. Yes, Rose. And the other woman, I can't remember her relationship. Yeah, Sarah. 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 Sarah is his classmate. Yeah, but but Which with is... with them, there's it kind of lacks that sense of like, oh, we were you know fooled into being here. Oh, mm-hmm. we have this kind of false sense of safety. Mm-hmm. It's just the whole time they're kind of like from the start, kind of trying to uncover. Yeah. This something sinister beneath the surface of this of this tenant building and what's what's so bonkers to me especially in my opinion looking back on the film we we just saw it a few days ago but yeah. like in all honesty in my opinion the best part of the film to me is that first act because it feels yeah. the best in terms of the dreamlike structure it has great moments where it's like at the time you're like what is Argento trying to say with this woman just constantly staring at Mark? Yeah. But the more I think about it, it actually the answer just comes to me and it actually makes sense as to like, oh, they're in Rome, she's got a cat. <laughs> it's all the signs that she is probably a witch. Yeah. And the film doesn't tell you that she is up front, but basically gives you enough clues and little crump like just like little info, like moments right. where it's like and it's like, yeah. And that's in like in part one, it's all it's like super slow, but the the deaths in the first part actually kind of feel mm-hmm. like earned. Like Sarah's death, Sarah's death is probably the best in this yeah. film. Like it's definitely the most shocking. That whole part of the film where it's like she just has a random dude hang out at her apartment because he doesn't <laughs> feel safe. The dude just dies like like inches, like feet away from oh, her. Yeah, yeah. And then she just like gets killed and. When you, oh my gosh, the way that they find, like, Mark finds her is, like, so well done. And so, like, it's like, this is, this is good art, this is great Argento. This is, like, classic stuff where it's, like, seeing her nose poke through, like, the, like, the, like, the the rubber, kind of, like, the sheet. Or whatever, yeah, and then she tears through. Which doesn't make any, again, which doesn't make sense because, like, why would that be there? Yeah. But that's just Argento, like, he can pull you in and you don't ask that question initially because you're just invested and then the second act happens. Yeah. And then the finale happens. And it's hard not to be like... Because for me personally... Oh, the finale was so deflating. It's so weird how it's like... The, the, the finale feels like it's trying to do what Suspiria does, where it's like the main character, it clicks immediately. And they figure out yeah. the big... Yeah. The big question. And they dive head first. Yeah. And it's like, of course they're going to dive head first into this. But with Mark, Mark is so like... 
just just like he's not Boring. really interested in he's, any of it. Oh, he, well, yeah, he has like no idea. He's clueless the entire yeah. time, and also not interested. He never like that's the crazy thing is like it's it's kind of it's it's established to a degree again as to why Mark doesn't know why his sister wants him to come back to New York. Yeah, because like in the film. Like, just, like, his sister wants him to come back to New York because she basically discovers she's living in a witch's coven that's right, owned yeah, by this, like, yeah. that owns this building. But, like, when Mark tries to read it, this creepy woman with a cat basically distracts him. Yeah. And then, like, it's like, okay, so I guess he didn't read it or he doesn't remember what he read because he had a headache and she's leaving. She's, like, hindering him. Yeah. But then, like, his sister is missing and he has it. He He's acting as if he's trying to find the Pringles can. That had a little bit of Pringles left in the cupboard, <laughs> yeah. but he can't find it. Yeah, he's like, "Do you know he's... where my sister is? She yeah. hasn't talked to me in three days." He's such a passive protagonist. Yeah, when he's, he just kind of stumbles across things, and yeah. people tell him things, or he finds a dead body, or he whatever has no stake in it at all. No, he's just like, "Oh, where's my sister?" And Which then, is bonkers. Oh, my yeah. sister's dead. Well, what am I doing now? He's, oh, this yeah. other lady's talking to me. I guess I'll talk to her. It's so weird, too, that, like, it has almost, like, a Deep Red-esque buildup where it's, like, Mark just shows up at the wrong place at the wrong time where he shows up at Sarah's death and it shakes him. And it almost has this vibe where it's, like, oh, it's going to be a <laughs> well, lot. the intent of the film is that it shakes him. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's supposed to do that, but, like, yeah, Mark's... It doesn't really work because Mark doesn't really react. He's, he's not really putting any kind of real emotion out yeah. there. He's doing the thousand mile stare, but he's not really doing anything else. But it almost has like this deep red feel where it's like, it's just going to be this normal guy. He's living a normal life. He's, he's okay. And then he sees something that is so gruesome and so kind of scary that could happen in where he's living that he can't not find out because he just can't shake it. And in reality, it starts out like, oh, maybe it's going to be like that. And then it just fizzles because the only people who are really interested in the mystery are the women around him. Yeah. And they all who die. Get picked off one by they one. They all yeah. die, so Mark is just jerking <laughs> he's around just, yeah, his he's just sister's apartment. It. He's just there for it. Yeah. He's just like he's like, Oh my god, I don't have heart problems. What happened there? And it's like, I don't care about that right <laughs> oh, now. Yeah, the, the heart Go attack. find your sister. Because, again, like like we talked about the last episode, like there are so many giallo tropes that Argento puts into his films, and they're done masterfully in his earlier works, yeah. especially in Deep Red. Like in this, in, in Inferno, you see those moments where it's like there's one phrase that is said at the beginning of the film that is constantly said throughout the film where it's like, the third key is under the soles of your feet. Yeah. No one understands what that means, but in classic Jalo fashion, they don't understand until the very end when they piece it all together. Yeah. But when it happens at that point, the only reason why the audience wants it to happen is because that means the film is about to end. <laughs> yeah. And we're about to see something's about to actually happen. Yeah, something's about to happen. Because like again, it's so weird to watch an Argento film and want like actual logic put into it, but at the same time he is putting lore and logic yeah. to certain ideas. He's applying certain, rules like, to it. Yeah. He's applying systems to it. And then he just kind of meanders through the story. And it's just like, why? I don't know. It, it's it's shockingly uh, structureless. Yeah. And it's so weird that, like, this film is slow. And the film is meant yeah. to be slow. Because classic Jalo stuff is definitely 
taking its time. It's making, that build up, the yeah. burn, the putting pieces together. Yeah. The silence is permeating. It is like <laughs> just boiling at the top of the pot, just waiting to come up and hit you in the face. Like you were just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And in, in like in something like Deep Red, it, in those kind of situations, it it leads up to a horrifying like death. Yeah. Where it's like there are moments in Deep Red where it has that where it's like there's nothing happening but there's one person on screen but that one person you can tell knows something's not right <laughs> and then shit just gets real bad. Yeah. <laughs> and in this film you have those moments but for some reason every moment like that feels just a minute too long. The build-up? Yes. Yeah. It just feels like, why is this so slow? It's a little too long. And the other thing, it's funny you mentioned the silence. The silence of the build-up, because there were several scenes in this movie that could have stood to be silent. But instead, the score comes in with some bombastic, ridiculous guitar riff. And just kind of... Yeah. yeah, It feels like you're on a roller coaster, even though somebody's just walking around. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a far cry from Goblin, I'll tell you that. Yes, that's the thing too. Is like, it's so weird that in this film the score is done by Keith Emerson, who is another prog rock guy, mm-hmm. and he's the score overall. What dis dis like disconnected from the film is feels very much like it could fit in an Argento yeah, film. Yeah, it's it, a decent yeah. enough, and it does fit in this film. But the way that it's placed, it doesn't fit as well as it should. Yeah, it's not so much the music is bad as the use of the music yeah. is really bad. The way they're where where it's placed is so yeah, weird. Yeah, there's just like these insane, you know, mm-hmm. rapid fire guitar riffs while Mark is just like, yeah, creeping around. Yeah, because like and it's you... like we could use something creepy or spooky mm-hmm. or eerie here, but instead it's like we're in an action movie. Mm-hmm. Like a great example of that is in Suspiria. There's a taxi ride. And the oh, theme yeah. of Suspiria plays during that. And the theme of Suspiria is very, this like, very low-key, very creepy and unnerving in its own way because it's so pure initially. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like it's going to get yeah. crazy it's kind of until enchanting. the chance. It's yeah. like enchanting yeah. at first, and then it slowly kind of works its way into eerie mm-hmm. and then creepy and yeah. then, you know, nightmare, acid mm-hmm. trip. But in Inferno, there's a scene where Sarah, Mark's friend, is in a taxi in Rome, and there's just like a bam, 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 bam. It's like I get it. She's it's like, like this on goofy, a funky. Guitar she's like rock. on a mission. I get that, but like you gotta build it up a little yeah. bit before we get to that, and it doesn't really do that. Yeah. I mean, we also. I mean, there's the big moment where they use the theme. Because um, they use the theme like about twi- three times throughout three the film. Three times, yeah. The, f- the beginning of the film. Mark's huge discovery when he finally figures out what the the whole third key mm-hmm. is under the soles of your feet and the ending. But that whole third key realization, the use of the theme <laughs> is so out of place. It yeah. feels so weird because it's like super like high energy, like, oh my gosh, something's coming after you, something's coming at you. Yeah. And he's just at a crawl space. Yeah, and <laughs> nothing is no, coming yeah. after him. No, no, no. It's like, and it's the also one of the only times in the film, I think, where they use a POV shot when it's not the killer. Oh, yeah. They use the POV shot for Mark trying to get around all the stuff yeah. in the crawl space. And it's like, why? Yeah. Why are we doing this now? Like, it's this movie is about 10 minutes longer than Suspiria, but it feels a half an hour longer. Ugh, it's yeah. just so weird, just how you, you can see the inspiration of Suspiria through the deaths through the story beats, through, like, the music. Practically everything in this film has a vibe of, like, 
this is the guy who did Suspiria. Yeah. And he's trying to do something a little bit different, but still be in the same... It, it It's poetry because it rhymes type scenario, where it's yeah. like, this isn't Suspiria 2, but it is a partner to Suspiria. Yeah. But, this, I mean, it's, again, like, you have Dario directing, you have Daria and Dario writing this together, which apparently Daria didn't put her name yeah. in the story credits because during Suspiria, apparently it was so difficult for her to <laughs> get her name for, like, a writer's credit that she yeah. just didn't even try for Inferno. And, like, it's got you got some of the same team with that. I mean, you've got some of the same cast members. I mean, you have, like, you have a cast member from Deep Red who's in this film. You've got a... One of the major cast members from Suspiria in this mm-hmm. film playing a completely different character and <laughs> yeah. is dubbed by someone who is not her voice, <laughs> yeah. which is really weird. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like it just isn't executed well enough. <laughs> like, again, it doesn't make sense that this is the man at this point who's already perfected what he wanted to do with something like Suspiria yeah. and what he could do with a Jalo. Yeah. And you think mixing it together could work better? Because, yeah. like, I mean, Suspiria has giallo elements because it's Argento. Right. But at the same time, it feels like a clash of ideas. Yeah, it's, Make, it's yeah. like he was really, with watching Inferno, looking back on Suspiria, it really makes you feel like in Suspiria he was, like, really riding the line of what he could mix together in terms of his kind of nightmarish horror ideas and his giallo and yeah. just barely made it work. That's not to say that Suspiria no, yeah. is just barely a good movie. It's a no, great movie, yeah. but you know, it's like he's barely holding it together, and then he gets to Inferno and just falls apart, not knowing how to balance the lore and the narrative structure and the mystery with the abstract, mm-hmm. you know, psychedelic horror stuff. And it's just, it's a mess. I think. Yeah. Like I can, I can get in the eighties going into this film and being like there's moments where just random people just kill some of the characters <laughs> and you're like, and I can see maybe sitting in the theater just being scared because you're like, Oh my gosh, why did that food truck vendor yeah, yeah, just yeah. cleave that dude? And it's like, because they're a part of the coven because again, the logic is supposed to say that they control the world per se. Yeah. So you can just fall in the logic of like, I guess he's just a part, like, he's being controlled by the witches. Right. But then it's like, why do any of the main characters last as long as they do? If the witches can just make anybody kill anybody. I am still shocked that Rose lasts as long as she does. Because I thought she was going to die in the first ten minutes. Yeah. And she doesn't die until, like, 30 minutes in. (laughs) Yeah. She has a really long intro. And they're like, wait, if this tenant building is supposedly owned by witches... And they know where she lives. And they could break into her apartment any second. Why do they wait days? And they also obviously know that she knows about them because they have a witch in Rome following Mark. Yeah. And it's like, again, it's like that's, that's what makes this film so frustrating is once you bring logic into the dream world like this, it just doesn't. It, it doesn't mesh as well as it you should. You have to kind of commit like, one way or the other. Yeah, you sh- either it or does... at least commit by part, you know, by scene. Yeah, it but... has, either has to be open enough that it's like you could have multiple interpretations, but at least one of those interpretations is what the director intended. Yeah. Or you have a strict, almost like this is the world, this is what you need to know. Like nothing is really going yeah. to stray away from that. 
and it doesn't really do either like that. It doesn't. It does a mill. It does a mishmash of the middle, which either leads you to be like me watching the film, where it's like the entire time I'm basically silent because I'm trying to figure out: is this building to something? Yeah. Is everything I'm seeing right now actually building to something? Is it like Suspiria, where almost every scene has a bit of info that actually helps me understand the world better? Or you're like. Our friend who hated the film almost 15 minutes in and just could never get into it. Yeah. It almost seems like you're in that, like, that's those are like the two extremes in that scenario, and you might just fall in the middle of that. Yeah. Unless you're someone who loves this film, which, which seems to be. Most people, which I don't understand. Which makes me feel a little bit crazy. Yeah. It's like, I don't want to hate this movie because, again, I love Deep Red, I think Suspiria is great. I really want to dive into his earlier work and his work post Inferno because yeah. there's apparently some really good stuff after that. Yeah, I just we just didn't get this one. <laughs> it just it's just so weird that like you have a you have just a, a bountiful like you just you could really do anything with this. You could literally just do Suspiria again, but with the Mother of Darkness. Well, and, and you could you could have Rose be the main character. Well, and, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. And to some degree, to some degree, it does kind of feel as as much as he is kind of trying to merge Jalo with what he was doing in Suspiria. It also kind of feels, in a lot of places, like he's just trying to do Suspiria again. But mm-hmm. th- even in terms of the nightmarish, you know, kind of Suspiria trademark abstract creepy stuff, Inferno never reaches the heights of Suspiria in terms of the weirdness, no. the graphic violence, no. the, the visual beauty or the visual terror. It never reaches any of those heights. So it's like, yeah, you end up with kind of a half-baked mystery with half-baked Suspiria mm-hmm. blended in. And so neither one really reaches its potential. It, it really feels like this film should really, like, no one should really enjoy this film. It feels <laughs> like if you really enjoy argento's giallo roots yeah you should see the cracks you should see the pokes in the logic and like the holes and just be yeah. like this isn't like you've made so like why is it like this or it shouldn't work with it shouldn't work with anyone who likes suspiria because it's like you're going into this it's hoping. diet suspiria yeah it's like but it, it's like diet with a little bit of caffeine free <laughs> yeah, it. it's yeah. like hold on like because it is true, like, there's, I, I do like the deaths in this movie, but, like, yeah, they just don't have the same oomph. They don't have the same punch, because you're not as, you don't get yeah. carried into the feeling of the movie like you do in Suspiria. It's also, it doesn't take you on a ride. You're just yeah. kind of, like, mm-hmm. watching it go by, and then, oh, somebody dies. Oh, that yeah. was kind of cool. And also, I cannot, I'm going to say, I cannot stress this enough. The deaths in Inferno are they're <laughs> so silly, to yeah. the point where it's, like, like, in Suspiria... Only on the top of my head, if we're talking about like excluding the finale, the total death count is four people. But yeah. every single one of those deaths, the build up to the deaths, the yeah. design of the locations of the deaths, the deaths themselves, the soundtracks, everything is memorable. Like every one of those deaths is potent. And in this film, this film has about eight, ten deaths. I think it's ten body and count. It just has no potency because some of those deaths are just are they're on accident, and then <laughs> the accidents lead to the build up to the finale, where it's like one of the accident like the act the biggest accidental death involves a burning drape, 
like oh, a, yeah. a bur- and like and it falls on a person and she can't push it off her so she's trying to get off of it she falls out of a building and then when she falls into the building the building starts to just blow up yeah and like in Suspiria the reason why the building blows up makes perfect sense yeah. which is hilarious to say about Suspiria <laughs> but it's true like in that dream logic when it starts happening it's like Oh, that makes sense. You basically found the source of all the bad stuff. Yeah, everything's you took going care of it. To, yeah, yeah, everything's going to hell get, now. Yeah, the nightmare realm is going away. Yeah. Well, as an inferno, it's like the nightmare realm is going away because a woman just wasn't paying attention to a candle, <laughs> and it's like, why? Why is that the inciting incident to a fiery finale? Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> And it's like, well, it's it's dream logic. You're not supposed to get it. And it's like, okay. It's it's not scary. It's not scary when it's an accident. Yeah, it's not scary when it feels like a spoof. Yeah. Like, it feels like a goo. Like, it's not scary when it, I can already, like, see someone, like, I can basically see in my mind's eye someone throwing a cat off screen to hit (laughs) somebody in the face. Yeah. Because there's a death by cats in this movie. There's a death and by cats, there's a death by rats. Death by rats. Uh, not a death by bats. It worked nah. with the rhyme, but it doesn't unfortunately happen. Which is hilarious, because there is a bat death in Suspiria. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but there isn't one in this. Um, but yeah, it's just like, why? Why is this yeah, so I... weird for a guy that is... For, I mean, it's... I mean, I mean, in terms of like... He has talked about how this was his least favorite film, not because of the contents of the film. I don't know if you know this, but like no. it was the most, it was his least favorite film because during the filming of production, he got a severe case of hepatitis. <laughs> like he got a severe flare up that hurt him so bad that at the beginning of production, uh. he basically had to lay on his back and direct. <laughs> and then it got so important that he was bedridden and they had to use second unit directors. Oh, they used yeah. like Mario Bava. They used yeah. other directors. Like the, the actress who plays Rose, I think she says she never met Argento because he was bedridden during all of her scenes. Yeah. Like that film I guess that kind of makes sense for why it's, it it's feels so, like such, yeah, a, such a clash. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's like there's there's great there's really good there's great ideas for set pieces in this film, but the execution again it's too slow. It feels like it doesn't get to an oomph yet. Yeah, like there's a great moment in the beginning of the film where there is a woman going into a submerged hotel room basically, <laughs> and in this submerged hotel room you get moments where it's like you see like more lore just in the production design and just in the editing, how they're using the showing you all of these things. And just like a yeah. good film does, it's not telling you upfront, Hey idiot, <laughs> this is what we talked about earlier. Like, it's like, Oh, that's right. In the book, they said one of the keys is a painting of one of the mothers. And you see a painting of one of the mothers <laughs> yeah. in the film doesn't go, ah, ah, like it's just like, it yeah. feels like it's like you're smart enough to know better. But then later on in the film, it gets to a point where it's like, it's time for you to know everything, Mark. Like <laughs> I am this guy. And if you go in there, you're going to find the real villain of the story. And it's like, this isn't a Jalo. Like a Jalo, yeah. Mark is like. Mark finds one thing that he never, like he couldn't like figure out, and then everything comes together like the one puzzle piece. Yeah. But for Mark, he just keeps slipping on banana peels and falling right back on his feet. Yeah. And it's so weird. Falling that right it onto the next clue or the next whatever. And then like the finale, it's just so shocking how like in Suspiria, 
there were ideas for that finale that had nothing to do with the actual story. It was just like either Daria or Dario were like, I had a nightmare about like an exploding panther. And so they have like an exploding <laughs> panther statue in Xperia yeah. or like the uh, the silhouette of somebody. You can't see them, but you can kind of see them right. in the right lighting. And in this film, it's like, it's death. Mm-hmm. And not only is it death, it's a horrible costume. Oh, yeah, version. it's like a spirit Halloween death yeah. costume. It looks like a discount version of what Castlevania will end up using as death. And it's yeah. like... It's also like this this like skinny this skinny nurse woman, and then a, you know, yeah. explosion happens, and suddenly she's a seven foot tall dude in a Halloween costume. And Absolutely, it's just like oh man, like it's so. It's weird. also super brief, like for all the build up, yeah. the finale, the kind of quote unquote face off with mm-hmm. the witch is just so brief. Yeah, and it results in nothing. Because he just yeah. he runs away. And they establish in the beginning of the film that uh, Helena Marcos, the the big bad of Suspiria, yeah. she's the oldest, so obviously that's why she looks like a disgusting old hag in that film. Yeah. But also, like, Tenenbaum is the youngest, and she's the prettiest. And by youngest, apparently she's 42? Like, mm-hmm. she's really, like, she's like normal age. Yeah. Like, it's like, this is not an evil entity that's been around for centuries. It's just a... <laughs> attractive woman who is apparently yeah. the nurse of this old man and it's like why couldn't you just make a creepy witch like you yeah. did in the last film well it's like yeah instead of having her become the grim reaper make her like turn into her true form oh my or whatever, gosh yeah. she's some creepy old woman yeah. what's cool so crazy about suspiria is you don't really get a full body shot of helena no you get yeah. great shots of the eyes the hands you can hear her yeah. laugh and all these things, and like you see the the close up of her nasty mouth, yeah. And it's like that's all you really need. But in this, it's like no, we're gonna show you a full body shot. This is what and she really she's looks like. Just a lady, and she's a lady, but actually she's the Grim Reaper. <laughs> yeah. Like why? And why? Mark just runs away from her, and yeah. that's the movie. And yeah, she he runs away, and in like Suspiria, things start blowing up around him, which I. I, I, I couldn't probably do that if I was in like that would have to be horrifying to like go through all that and just like not get hit by something yeah. but like also film... I guess uh, whatever uh, Lee the guy who played Mark yes he did all the like running around in the fire and explosions he had to do all that himself <sighs> of course because did. Argento didn't want to use a stunt double yeah and it's I think he says I think he I think I did see a quote where it's like yeah, I know it's it's crazy, it's goofy to think about that, but like, and why I would be scared if we're on a set, but like, when you see doors fly off its hinges like it's getting hit by a Harrier jet, you would be scared too. <laughs> yeah. and it's like, yeah, I gotta, yeah. I would be too in that scenario. And like, it just the film just ends. And again, that is a that is a, like an Italian giallo. That's a trope for the film. It happens in Suspiria too. Argento does it, it works almost better. every time. I think it works a lot better. In <laughs> Absolutely, because in Suspiria, there's at least still some a great satisfaction of seeing Susie be like, oh yeah, she just breathes this sigh. Of God, relief. I'm out of there. Well, Mark in, is yeah. just he has the same face on that he has the rest of the movie, which yeah. is just like you said, thousand yard stare. He's just staring. Yeah. And when he leaves, when he leaves, he looks like he just reminded himself he didn't eat dinner, <laughs> so he needs to go eat something. Well, there's a burning building behind him. He just isn't yeah. emoting well. And I don't even know. I, I doubt it's him specifically. I do think no. it's probably a mix of like having an Italian director who's probably gonna have to be translated to Lee, and like you have a director who 
very much works in the over the top. Yeah. Because, like, Suspiria is over the top. Deep Red has some crazy over the top moments. Basically, all of his films kind of go a little over the top to kind of add this kind of weirdness to it, to almost add to the dreamlike, the dreaminess to it. Yeah. But at the same time with this film, Mark is just... He's a wet blanket. We spend the first 20 minutes with two different people. And then when Mark shows up, it's like, cool, go away. He's the least emotive (laughs) and the least interesting and the least interested in what's happening around him of all three characters. And Inferno, unfortunately, does one of the... Like a cardinal sin when it comes to being a film that's trying to build its lore. By the end of this movie, you just don't care about the <laughs> other mother that's still out there. Yeah. Well, it's like, like you're so unimpressed by yeah. Mother Tenebrarum that it's yeah. like, well, the other one can't be very special. Yeah, it's just like in this film, it's like you mean to tell me that a random college student could just walk into a basement filled with like weird ghouls with like, yeah. you know, pots of stuff and like books up to like the ceiling and like there's no like magic tied to that like why are people just like tripping into weird magical stuff yeah. in this world and by the end of inferno it's like the only reason i mean the two reasons why we're still going on with this is because we want to know what mother of tears is gonna be yeah especially 30 years after suspiria yeah and also we just want to know what happens in this world in terms of a conclusion yeah, I'm just I'm like, getting I'm getting the feeling that Mother of Tears is not going to be a conclusion. It's just going to be another one. Kind of like this was just another one. It didn't really, you know, answer yeah. anything from Suspiria mm-hmm. or kind of make anything make more sense. It was just like, here's another witch, and I feel like the next one will be here's another witch. But and that's that's what's so fascinating too with the thirty year gap between yeah. the first and the last one. It's is like, like Argento was really bent on making this happen, I guess. I I think in all honesty, and it's again, we'll we'll talk about this more next episode when I do some more when we do some research on the yeah. next film, but like looking at the big gap between Inferno and Mother of Tears, which is still twenty seven years. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like what probably happened was Inferno comes out does fairly well in the box office, but critically doesn't do well. Yeah. And then Argento probably takes a break for a while. because he's, like, he's going to do other stuff. Yeah, he's probably going to still got to get away from... He's got to work with his hepatitis still, <laughs> like, with, like what he's got to do with him. <laughs> and then just, like, go back to doing something that isn't tied... Like, he's, that's tying him down. Yeah. Because this film definitely feels odd because it's, like, tying down a man who works in the imagination zone. Yeah. Not the logic zone. It's, like... He's like, I want to go out and play. But he's like adding his own kind of anchor to himself. Where it's like, no, you have to do homework. Right. It's like, no one asked you to do that. <laughs> you like, can just you, go play if yeah, you want. Yeah, you just be weird again. Like yeah. Inferno, honestly, Inferno could be such a better movie if like you go in thinking it's just Argento being Argento. And then the, the twist of the film is once they find the the big third act giallo twist you also find out that this is a sequel to suspiria yeah like if they had actually hidden it that would have been so much more interesting even years later when you know that it's a sequel to suspiria it would be fun to watch the film and see if they leave little crumbs of info here and there (laughs) and just be like okay what is that supposed to be and apparently 
in Inferno, there is like little crumbs of stuff that'll be discussed in Mother of Tears. Oh, cool. But it's so mi- minimal where it's like... <laughs> it's when not I f- stuff that made you think, oh, I hope we find yeah. out more about that. Yeah, well, it's like the girl with the cat in Inferno, yeah. it's like, oh, she's got to be a witch, right? I looked it up. She's more than just a witch. Oh, she's okay. apparently more... either She's either more important in Mother of Tears or they discuss who that yeah, person's okay. supposed to be and it's like... She's just randomly in two scenes. Like, that's the character that you're just like, okay, okay, fine. We will see. Yeah. And that's Inferno. That is what Inferno is. It is not the Tom Hanks film that is the third in, what is it, uh, Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code series. It's not that. It is instead, unfortunately, a disappointing sequel, or at least to us, a disappointing sequel to a pretty damn great film. Yeah, it's uh, half yeah. Diet Suspiria and half Diet Jalo. Yeah, where it's like, I would recommend watching Suspiria again or just watching any Jalo pre this film <laughs> that he has done. Because even though this film had help from Mario Bava, who is like, yeah. who is the, who is the like, the man of the macabre, like the, yeah. the horror master of Italy right before Dario basically takes that crown in the 70s. He's on this film, he's helping, and yet it doesn't... Doesn't help. Doesn't help. Like, it, it's like, it's it sucks that it doesn't work out because it, I really want it to. Because yeah. I enjoy Suspiria so much. I enjoy Argento's work from what I've seen so far. Sadly, this isn't anything really worth no. note. And hopefully that won't be the case next week. <laughs> yeah, with uh, with the third and final one, Mother of Tears, 2007's Mother 2007, of Tears. 2007. Yeah, we we have not re- heard great things so far. Absolutely not. It's widely the least liked of the three. But I'm interested because I've read that it was widely panned for its just gratuitous violence. Which you know what? There's the part of my monkey brain that'll really yeah, dig that. I'm part. like, okay, yeah. Argento doing. Creepy yeah. body horror violence stuff with 2000s makeup technology yeah. and stuff. Like post cabin fever, post yeah. saw, like that whole like the gore fest in a, yeah. especially in American so, cinema has already kind of been brought back to a degree. Can I'm imagine? hoping to to I'm hoping it makes me squirm, even if it's not. Yeah, a great yeah, 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 yeah. Overall. I mean, even like even Piranha 3D made me squirm, <laughs> and that's a it's a horrible movie. Yeah, so in, I'm just in, hoping I feel something. Inferno just made me check my phone. Yeah, Inferno just made me go, "Is this going to be something?" And then near the end, I was like, "Oh, this is this is nothing. <laughs> this isn't what this isn't this isn't anything. Yeah. <laughs> like why?" <laughs> So, yeah, next week... The 24th? The 24th, because today we are filming... On the 17th. Filming, we are recording on the... Recording live. <laughs> recording live at Saturday Night Live Studio right now. We are going to be on the 24th. Yep. And then after that, we, we will talk about a, next... We'll have a special Halloween surprise. Absolutely. The following weekend. Because, come on, five weeks of Halloween spookiness? you got to take advantage of that. <laughs> Especially since what comes after this... We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we're still figuring that out. So until yeah. then, uh we'll see you next week with two thousand seven's Mother of Tears. My name is Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. And thank you so much for listening. Bye.